Hey, pal. Well, I've pals. Welcome to the latest edition of Hey Pal, I'm Coachable. And uh, as always, it's absolutely wonderful to have you tuning in in those ear holes of yours. Thank you so much for pressing play, subscribe, and, and letting these dulcet tones come through there on your weekly Coachable podcast. And uh, again, I'd like to thank everyone who's uh, reached out and told me what they've liked about the show, what they haven't liked as well. You know, constructive criticism, always a good thing, genuinely. So please... Um, reach out to me, let us know what you're thinking. Um, you can do that via DM, via email at heypalunmailable at gmail.com or on any of the socials, of course, Instagram at heypalumcoachable or on X, X at heypalpod. So a lot of places to be reached. And uh, I tell you what, it's an exciting time in the world of sports. Uh, the Cricket World Cup has just uh, re- kicked off here. Well, not here in India. I mean... This is not India, where I am right now. Uh, maybe northern England. Sometimes the northern suburbs of Perth are cold. But, um, yeah, really exciting. Uh, I love myself a, uh, a Cricket World Cup. It sort of reignites the uh, the passion of uh, one-day cricket, which uh, is a whole other kettle of fish, which uh, I might say for a future help me to help me because one-day cricket's kind of a bit of a lost art thanks to T20. But I digress because I don't want to take you too far away from... A really, really cool guest I've got on. Uh, got a, uh, a mate of mine named Bailey Cost. Now, he um, he was one of my uni classmates, and he's gone on to some really good things at Optus Stadium. And I know what you're thinking, Eric, saying good things about Optus Stadium. What's going on here? Uh, that's how good a bloke that Bailey is, because uh, I will somewhat put aside my hatred for that stadium and how much it hates me too um, for the sake of a really good and interesting interview. So Bailey uh, was an event coordinator at Optus Stadium and then the cheeky so-and-so decided to gazump me and get himself a promotion on the eve of us recording. So um, we'll be talking a lot of his time as an event coordinator, although he did just get his fancy new promotion. But I think it's really an exciting chat because we talk about how many, uh, I guess, levers and things uh, need to occur for a sporting event to take place, especially at the elite level and an elite stadium and Optus Stadium. I kid, I kid. I'll, I'll keep the keep the Optus jobs for a little while. But um, there's so many things that go into it, not just obviously the um, the athletes, the spectators, the coaches and all of that, but the behind the scenes of it and putting together a sporting event, it's like this whole new world and whilst there may not be a flying carpet and a parrot and all that sort of malarkey it is very interesting to see and um look i won't take up too much of your time with this whole intro thing here i just wanted to set the scene here it's a really great chat and uh we kind of delve into giving each other a little bit of guff but um i think there's some really valuable lessons for for those who may be starting their journey whether it is um getting into uni whether it's towards the tail end of the secondary uh high school or whatever it might be wherever you are around the world i think there's some really handy tips and uh really cool experiences that bailey shares for someone who wants to get involved with sports and events at the management and the coordination level and all the sort of the logistics that go on behind the scenes. So without further ado, let's go have a chat to Bailey Cost from Optus Stadium. Well, this week's guest is a really exciting one because 
when we talked about the very first episode, we're talking about finding out all the different layers that goes towards putting together, you know, a sports event or event event even as well. And, um, you know, how that takes all kinds when it comes from the fan to the athlete and everywhere in between. So I'm very fortunate to be joined here today by, well, someone I've got a bit of a experience with through uni, but, uh, I was, I was a uni school dropout. This man has gone to bigger and better things here. He's the event coordinator of Optus Stadium. He's Bailey Korst. Bailey, hey, pal. Hello, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Very exciting. No, well, I mean, the, I guess the pleasure's mine here because uh, uh, even though uh, frequent listeners of our show will know that Optus Stadium isn't necessarily my favourite place, I know that you're one of my favourite people, one of my favourite memories from our uni times, and you've got a really interesting, interesting job, job that I'm... Really excited to hear more about, and I'm sure our listeners will great uh, get a great understanding about as well. Yeah, look, as you said, um, events coordinator up to stadium. It's been a whirlwind job. I've been there for uh, almost two years now, so I, I won't actually lie. I'm not actually in the role anymore. I transferred from it about a month ago, but um, look, I'm, I'm more than happy to give all my insight from from the job. It's definitely been insane in how much I've learned. You know, fresh from uni, straight into that role. Um, they used to joke that I was greener than the grass on the turf, that <laughs> I was so fresh, but um, oh, look, I was, I've enjoyed repaying the faith and learning as much as I have. So I'm keen to share my insights from the, from the role. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, it's such a magnificent, um, you know, place to view sport and events as well, all bias aside. Uh, where have you got yourself now? We'll give them a quick plug before we move on and get into that particular role. Well, I'm actually still at Optus Stadium. I've just transferred departments. So I'm now a commercial sales specialist. So I'm now the um, wearing a suit as opposed to feet on the ground. So I'll be, <laughs> I'm, I'm basically selling the suites and boxes to the big, big events and um, talking to corporates. And it's a little bit different, but thought I'd try something new after a couple of years working hard. Yeah, for sure. I'm not working hard now, but you know. <laughs> There you go. Someone who's looking to be in an events coordinator and just going, ah, not working hard and, you know, whatnot, but all good. Let's talk about your experience, but we've got to rewind a little bit in the Wayback Machine because obviously you're a man who likes his sport and you like the, the big event here. So where'd your um, first fandoms as, uh, you know, sports come from when you were a younger kid? Was it, you know, with particular teams, athletes, a sport in general that, that you really yeah. were drawn to? Well, I, I can go back to where I've grown up and I grew up in Adelaide and growing up in my family, dad always used to say, you're out of the family if you're not going for the Adelaide Crows. <laughs> um, so as you well know, Eric, I'm a diehard Adelaide Crows fan and I've, I reckon I've surpassed my dad now. I'm, I'm a big, big fan. So um, anything Crows related and you can have me talking for hours, I'm happy to just talk about the Crows if that's what you'd prefer, but obviously not what you're wanting here. Um, but no, look, all sports. I love my AFL. I love cricket. I love tennis. Um, anything where Australia is participating, I could be watching badminton or, or beach volleyball or something. As long as Australia are in there, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, yeah, look, any sport, I'm very, very passionate about it. So, um, but no, first fandom, Adelaide Crows, always. Yeah, really good, uh, I guess, segue as well. We had a para badminton, um, you know, Paralympian on one of our earlier shows in Grant Manzoni as well. So, um, I'll have to hit you up with his links afterwards there. If you're going to keep that, uh, you know, keep that up in terms of following Australia everywhere. Um, do you want to age yourself and sort of talk about your your, your favourite crows growing up? Oh, look, I've always been a big Tex fan. Um, he's had a great year, hasn't he? Second to Coleman. Um, oh, look, 2017, you can't go past that team where we made the grand final. 
obviously we didn't win it so um wasn't great but i managed to fly over and watch the game and it was still a pretty core cool memory from my sporting um i guess growing up watching sport it was it was pretty cool getting to the g for a grand final um but yeah look tex sloney those boys that brought up that team in 2017 they're still there now it's they're, they're just they're my idols they're great i've met them a couple of times and they're, they're great people too well, that's always the good thing as well when you actually get to meet those guys and they turn out to be, you know, really good people as well. I've heard, I've heard good stories about both of them actually through uh, sort of a, a friend of ours uh, that I, I met uh, in the traps as well. So it's really good to hear that they are good blokes as well. And, you know, you never want to meet your hero and find out they're an average human being. Um, any uh, sort of sporting memories yourself? I know we joked about it before we started recording about your athletic ability, but any sports that you ended up, uh, you know, picking up a racket, a bat or a ball when you were younger that you were pretty good at? Oh, look, I, I know we joke about it, but I, I still think I've got excellent athletic ability, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> my personal favourite sporting memory came in high school when I took a specky on some cool kid. <laughs> um, look, that was that was pretty special. But no, growing up, I, I played for the, the mighty North Beach Tigers, so I played with them for about eight years, um, and that was that was pretty special. We made the grand final back when I was in grade nine, I think, yep. which was was just awesome. We kind of came out the clouds and made our way to the granny. We didn't end up winning, but just having that camaraderie and and you know, playing with a group of young guys that you know we really became quite a close knit unit. It was it was pretty special and it's not something I've had since but um you know that team atmosphere is something I've always loved and being involved in it I'm sure I'll get there again sometime in future but um yeah it's brilliant and I, I know you've spent a lot of time in cricket and you probably have the same thoughts and feelings yeah that's it I mean it's it's, it's funny that you mentioned North Beach obviously you got there too early because they can't stop winning flags now uh, we've got a lot of mutual <laughs> friends through the Warwick Greenwood Cricket Club as well that that um you know pledge their allegiance to North Beach during the footy season. So all they do is win at the moment. Uh, so you might need to get back down there and jag yourself a flag. Um, just speaking of sports a little bit more generally, because that's uh you know the path you've chosen in terms of your professional life as well. What do you think the attraction is to sports? I think you mentioned the teamwork and the camaraderie even there as well. But um, what sort of a you know attracts you to sports in general? Well, it might sound a little bit cliche, but my biggest attraction to sport is the the drama that comes with it and that it's well it's a, it's a never-ending script you've got sport you can you never know what's going to happen with sport you know anything at any given moment can occur and you're like wow i did not expect that to happen you can get teams that you know bottom of the ladder beating the team that's on the top of the ladder and it's just seeing the passion and, and even being involved in the passion it's something that it's um it's addicting really at any given moment anything can happen and it's like a it's like watching a great movie that, you know, that you can watch movies all the time and you know, you kind of know what might happen, you might not. But with sport, it's just anything goes, anything can happen. And and you can kind of draw back to the 2016 dogs flag, can't you? Where no one expected that to happen, but um, I, I know you loved it. But Yeah, don't, myself... don't bring that up because then, you know, people already say that I talk about the dogs too much on this show. <laughs> so um, we don't need to talk about uh, the dogs too much further. But yeah, you're right. Who, who, did, no. who would have scripted that? Yeah, for sure. But even what I'm saying is I'm not a Dogs fan, but I loved it. I was a Dogs yeah. fan that final series. And just the passion of a team coming out of nowhere is just awesome. It's awesome to be part of. Yeah, I mean, you look at this year as well. I mean, a team like, I mean, Collingwood, 
I think it's weird to think of Collingwood as like a, a side that people like now, but even like uh, GWS, who I've uh, often joked about giving the dogs and GWS rivalry, but that team was exciting. You almost were kind of rooting for them as well, the way that they came good. And, you know, Toby Green was almost a good guy. Yeah, it was great to see him get All-Australian um, captaincy too. It was just, as I said, it's just what, five to six years ago, you wouldn't have picked it, but yeah, all of a sudden it happens and, who would have written that script? No, it's, yeah. it's just awesome. That's why I love sport. It's 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 funny that you mentioned that as well. Before we move on from it, is that that sort of scripting like sort of analogy? Because one of the things that I really liked, and I'm going off the beaten path here for a moment, but um, is you look at the movie Avengers: Endgame, yeah, and yeah. I think the reason that movie was so good, or why there was such an attachment to it, because you spent ten to fifteen years building a connection with those characters. And I think what you just said there was kind of how you've built a connection or an understanding of the character of whether it's Toby Green, whether it's GWS or whether it's a particular side, because you actually see them through sports progress and evolve, not as characters, but as human beings. That's where that emotional attachment comes from. So that's, you know, I think that's a really sort of good point that you brought up in terms of, you know, looking back and how it gets to, to where it is now. Oh, for sure. And it's, it's, as I said, anything can go, anything goes, anything can happen. And it's just, it's what makes sport so beautiful. It's awesome. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I'm not going to disagree, especially on a podcast that's about sports. Uh, <laughs> let's now fast forward a little bit, or we kind of went backwards, forwards, kind of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff here. But um, let's let's move to um, getting into ECU. So you headed there, the ECU Joondalup campus, and uh, you know, as a fresh faced uh, person leaving year twelve, when you know, you go through your exams and everyone's like, you're going to make a decision for the rest of your life, or at least that's the way it seems. But um, what was your thinking in terms of uh, enrolling at ECU? And tell us a little bit about the the uh, course that you, you joined up for there. Well, towards the end of high school, I was quite indecisive in what I wanted to do. Um, a lot of people kind of knew where they wanted to go. But for me, it was, look, I, I had my passions and we've spoken about sport. That's what I was passionate about. But transferring that into my education and where I wanted to be from a career side of things was kind of difficult for me to put my finger on. So going into uni, I kind of figured, well, I love AFL. So hopefully I end up somewhere in that realm. Um, and to do that, I need to do something sport related. So uh, I looked at a bunch of courses at different unis and ultimately I picked ECU because it was a bit closer and probably a little bit cheaper than some of the UWAs and Curtin um, unis. But You might not want to put that on the ad. <laughs> come to ECU. It's a little bit closer. <laughs> Sorry. No, for sure. No, no, you're right. You're right. But um, I ended up going with a degree called Bachelor of Sport, Recreation and Event Management, yep. which uh, ended up being quite a good pick in hindsight. I kind of didn't really know what I was getting into, but given the, the word sport was in there, I, I was pretty much <laughs> all for it. <laughs> um, but no, ECU, ECU was just a brilliant choice in the end because it's it felt at the time that it wasn't seen as the best uni, but for that reason, those that went there weren't going for that reason. They were going, you know, for actually wanting to learn and being around like-minded people. And it's, it's it didn't have that prestigious feel that sometimes might take the gloss off a university experience. So that's, that's why I loved ACU. And um, as you well know, in my very first year, I was suddenly um, working for the West Coast Eagles. So, I'm sure we'll talk about that soon, but um, that was my dream working in the AFL. And then within months out of high school, I was, I was there. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, 
the way that it sort of um, gave that real world experience as well. We will get there, but I'm not going to let you jump that far ahead yet. Um, so you, you spoke about the like-minded people there and obviously, you know, we were, we were co-classmates for a bit there as well, but um, what do you think, this actually wasn't genuinely the segue, but what do you think the highlights were of your time there? But you, you can say that we were classmates. That's okay. I, I won't. Yeah, no, that was. I that won't was be humble enough for one. that. Definitely number one, Eric. Working with you. Um, <laughs> now, nah, look, I I wasn't a big. Uh, I guess I didn't put a lot of effort into high school, and and especially my first few years of uni, I I was there. I was a very social butterfly, I guess, and I'm sure you know that of me. I, I love to yeah. chat and have a laugh. Um, but probably my highlight was my final year when I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to get a good score. Not because I needed it for anything. It was just knowing that I could apply myself and I could bump that up that average a little bit just to make myself look a little bit better. So that final year of applying myself and knowing I ended up getting pretty good marks in that final year too, showing myself that, you know, if I do apply myself, I do put the effort in, I can actually achieve some pretty cool things. So um, one of the coolest classes I did was towards the very end, we had to write a business plan for a sporting club. Yep. Um, so I spent a lot of time with the Sorrento Saints Netball Club, which was which was really, really cool, and ended up writing some 80-page long um, business plan, which is beyond anything I'd ever written in the in the past. But um, without tooting my own horn, I topped the class and it's now used as an, an example for future classes. So really um, wow. Yeah, it was it was really cool to I actually got a message from the lecturer a few months after asking me if it was okay to do that. And I just thought, wow, that, that's that's awesome. You know, I, it's um probably not going to go anywhere in terms of the business plan itself, but just knowing that apply myself gets those kind of results is it was a big highlight and kind of the eye-opening moment for me knowing that I actually do put some effort in, I'll go, I'll be able to do things that are pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the thing with ECU as well, I think you mentioned there before, there wasn't a huge wrap around it initially, I guess, the when we were at the start of our time together, which was, what, four or five years ago now, around that mark. Um, but uh, now you start to see it actually actively promoted and advertised. I know throughout the Ashes as well, um, there was a lot of ECU signage going on as well. Um, when I was lucky enough to be there, I could see the ECU and I just sort of thought, how many pints have I had? Did I get back home some, somehow? But um <laughs> You mentioned there the lecturer, uh, you know, asked you to use that um, particular business plan for that assignment as an example. Are there any lecturers that really stand out from your time there that's, you know, um, you'd give a rap to or, um, you know, and what was so good about them? I am terrible with names, so I'm going to struggle here to remember the actual <laughs> names of them. Um, what what, what sure. do you do for a living now? And meet people? <laughs> oh, God, I'm so bad. Um, but we, we're not going to tell them that because I might lose my job. Um, <laughs> we just look, cut, edit there. Yep, done. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, look, again, I can't bring up names, but I there were a few there that helped build me to be the person that I am now. And I guess ECU, so I can give the rap for, to try and get out this question, is that <laughs> um, they have employed some awesome people there. And the, I guess the business plan one, using that as an example, the teacher that I had for that class was just brilliant. She was just so good at preparing me to deliver something that was worthwhile and, you know, going to her office after classes and asking a question, she actually gave me the time to, um, you know, to help me. And I think a lot of the teachers that I had at ECU, were, it was similar to that. And um, it's exactly what you need in an education setting. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we jump upon our time there trying to wrangle a live eagle, um, let's talk about what do you think the biggest challenge was for you when you were at uni there? Because obviously you've talked about that last year where you, I guess, straightened up and, and you know, started to put into practice those things that were going to help you in the real world and, and those employment opportunities. But what do you think was the biggest challenge or setback that you experienced during the time there and, you know, maybe how you got around it? I was pretty lucky with uni in that kind of coasted through a little bit. I know I said I put some a lot of effort in that last year, but um, it didn't feel too difficult. But the one thing that I really struggled with, and you can probably attest to this, is group assignments. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, they were shocking. They were terrible. <laughs> some, some of them were okay. You'd get some good people. And I think we, we were in some group assignments together, weren't we? Um, yeah, we, we had a couple. But I think for, I mean, I'll speak for myself. Uh, the best way to control uh, to sort of describe me is controlled chaos. Like, so I don't know how to structure anything, but I think we just like to get things done. Uh, yeah. It's just like, okay, blah, blah, blah. Oh wait, how we do it. And then it's like, Oh wait, no, it needs to get done. Let's just do it. So, but yeah, you're right. Um, I was actually, and this is what you shouldn't do on a podcast is date the interview, but uh, I was at, the, <laughs> I was at the Delta concert last night and my mate said to me is like the one thing that she doesn't miss about uni is group assignments the same thing because she said um uh with covid we as a society failed the group assignment so it just shows that um, we, just, we just don't know how to do groups assignments as as human beings i know i just i didn't feel it was very fair either for unis because you're relying on someone pretty heavily to help produce the final assignment and yeah often more often than not you're getting at least one or two people in there that you know drag their feet and just produce something that isn't to quality yeah um yeah. and you, you try to put the effort in and coax them into you know doing a good job but the work around there was was something that was quite difficult for me to to get around and um at one point it got that bad we had this mum that was in the team um and she was on our backs from the get-go she was you know the first day basically saying we need to get this done within the next week even though yeah. it's due in two yeah. months time um, oh, wow. ended up abusing us and then leaving the group within a few weeks which was great <laughs> um, ended up producing a great assignment in the end because she wasn't there but um oh look it's it's kind of a lesson of when you're working in groups you kind of have to just deal with the people you're working with and try and adapt yeah, that's always the, um, I guess, what why they say that they do it is the fact that, you know, it's supposed to get you used to the the real world where, hey, you're going to have to work with people who are challenging or whatnot to work towards a, a common goal. But yeah, sometimes it's just like the way it's weighted with the marking and, and it sometimes can't be a reasonable sort of expectation that everyone's in there for the same reason as well. Because, I mean, I think we were pretty um, blessed with our uni class. There was some really, really quality uh and smart people and they've gone yeah. to some really really cool things outside of uni as well but if you get the, like if you get the millhouse you get the dud that just uh, throws out your that unit yeah. or that course for like a good half year it's very frustrating yeah, but we'll, right. we'll switch streams to a good group assignment or good group experience uh <laughs> you know you, you spoke about it there that uh uh you were fortunate enough to to do some work experience for the west coast eagles tell us a little bit about that um about that opportunity what it involves and uh, i guess anything you learned through it yeah so it came about from one of our uh, one of the first year classes i was in we had some had the teacher come in and say look there's a there's an opportunity to take up a volunteer role with the west coast eagles and 
I was at that age, the type of person that would love to do stuff, but, you know, didn't have the courage to say yes. Yep. But I just yep. went, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Just going to do it. I'm going to put my name in the hat. And um, I thought half the class would go for it and I'd struggle to find a position, but ended up only being four of us. That was those- crazy. That was crazy. I know. I was like, shocked at that. That's, that's the biggest, like, uh, football club in the state. And I'm not saying that in terms of like to upset any Frio fans or whatever, but like commercially, even though they're rubbish on the field at the moment, apart from a stupid game at Marvel Stadium, um, they they are the biggest club. Like I just couldn't understand that there was only the four of us. But also there's kids in this class that are searching for opportunities. They're wanting to learn about sport. And then yeah. this, it's, this golden gift is given to their doorstep and they just don't take it. It was, it was a shock to me, but look, it worked out for me because I managed to get a role there and so did you. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. I mean, let's let's not talk it down because um, otherwise it makes us look pretty bad. So yeah, uh, <laughs> out of a out of a big field, four were selected and um, and had merit uh, meritorious uh, selections. Um, so what was involved with that? So I ended up spending four years there, and um, it was pretty daunting at the start. I, I showed up at Optus Stadium, as I said, greener than the turf, um, and working there with the Eagles. It was. It was more the game day prep just prior. So yep. the biggest thing for us, um, which I know you enjoyed doing, was the big blow-up tunnel. So <laughs> Eagles fans, they'll, they'll see it. And I know a lot of them have differing opinions on it. But um, the big blow-up tunnel that they run through, we were in charge of uh, getting it out the storeroom, wheeling it all the way out there, making sure the weights were set up in there so it didn't blow away. That would have been great. Um, <laughs> connecting it all to power and making sure there were no cords in the way so the players weren't tripping up. Could you imagine? Um, another one though was uh, looking after Aussie the Eagle, which yes. you mentioned just before, and um, that involved wheeling out the little plinth that Aussie had to um, fly and land on, and then uh, another one of the big jobs is setting up the ladder that she launches off from from the top of the stadium. So um, that was a pretty hands-on job, but it was pretty cool to be involved in too, because sometimes you could find yourself on camera on big screen. <laughs> well, I mean. Uh, I like how you drop the trade secret, even though it's not much of a trade secret because the um, Yvonne, the lovely lady, and, and Mike as well, who, who yeah. uh, wheel uh, uh, stuff around and, and handle Aussie, that Aussie is, in fact, a, a girl eagle. Uh, everyone's like, oh, yeah. what's his name? What's his name? The amount of times in the corporate box is like, oh, can I get a photo with him? And Yvonne would be like, yes, you can get a photo with her. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean... I tell you right though that you know in terms of the tunnel, as soon as the opportunity came up for someone to regularly be the person to to move the Aussie lad, I was like, yeah, I'll get out of that tunnel business. Thank you very much, because <laughs> that is a coordinated effort. It's um, obviously the the ECU helpers at the time, um, but also the the cheer squad as well. Um, yeah, it was a it's a big production that, um, but it was a, it was a good part to see those little things that make up the game day experience and those little activations as well like the the sponsorship ones as well yeah for sure and it was it was important you know it's, it felt with 60 60 000 people looking on if this tunnel didn't go up it would be a story it'd be on the news or, or in a newspaper or something so it made me and i guess our group feel quite important knowing that we had a part to play in in the event itself um it's funny, I used to go around when people asked me about working for the West Coast Eagles, I'd say that I was the senior executive of the Big Ass Eagles tunnel. <laughs> I I'd, I'd haven't put up my resume yet, but I'm still thinking about chucking it on there. I think it's a, it's a good point to make. 
And that's not just a punchline. You've, you, uh, I was part of that crew and I had to put up with you saying that every week. Um, that's, <laughs> but uh, I'd still think, and uh, now that you've, you've got a really, really good job, I think I can jump, uh, can drop you in it with this. The fact that you were just casually walking across the ground towards the end of the game, just trying to get close to the players. Yeah, look, I was the type that, um, what was it you used to call me, Bambi? Bambi. Oh, I- I'd Bambi. go out and get lost. Was that that wasn't me, was it? Was it it might have been me or Alicia, but yeah, Bambi, because you would just like wander around, get lost. Yeah, we 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 all had a bit of a we had a nickname for each other, kind of um to align ourselves with the tendencies of what we were like at the game. And Bambi was me. I'd wander off and get lost. But um, you know, one of the things I used to do was I didn't do it a lot, but I I used to walk out at the end of the game and um just just wander around out in the field because I could. <laughs> had the accreditation for it so yep. I walked out there and at one point um I think Sabrina who was our uh, event manager for the yes, Eagles yes. at that time she, yep. she sent me a text or called me or something and was like what are you doing <laughs> I was blatantly just on the other side of the field wandering around and I just thought oh I'm just seeing a mate sitting on the fit on the on the fence line and she's like oh okay oh, I, tell, I, I tell you what so if she sent you that message, the message that we got to the group chat before that was a much different one and probably not to be repeated on a podcast. It was <laughs> might have been a few expletive deleteds in that one going, Wait, why is he there? Why can I see him? Um, but I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were, they were really good people at the, at the West Coast Club and kind of, um, you know, obviously you and I both don't go for West Australian football teams, but um you, you so you don't really get caught up in that tribalism of West Coast versus Fremantle, I guess, over here. But you you kind of see the humans behind a, a footy club. And and we'll touch on this when we get to your experience when you were the event coordinator. But it's just it's just interesting to see the the different types of human beings that go behind a footy club to try and get it going, make it work, even though you might quote unquote hate that club. Yeah, for sure. And I always had a bit of a hatred for West Coast Eagles, but um, working for them from 2018 onwards, it, it became my second team. Yeah. And I know you remember the fact that that first year they won a premiership. And I like to say that's because we weren't there. Well, <laughs> this, we won that premiership. No, we are premiership staff members. Exactly we, right. We, we genuinely are. We had like a casual gig for about two, three weeks. So we were on the payroll of the year, the premiership. And yeah, I agree. It was, it was our tunnel making that really inspired them to get there. And not at all the fact that Braden Maynard was blocked. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm still waiting for my medal. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think we'll be waiting a while. Um, yeah, what maybe. what do you think the biggest uh, benefit was of that um, sort of match day experience role there with with West Coast? Because you're going to have people who listen to this wanting to get into events, um, potentially being in a university that has yeah, these. Has these- um, experiences it won't be maybe west coast specifically but what do you think was the biggest benefit of doing that that's kind of got you to where you are now the biggest thing for me was the networking that came with it so getting into the role that we're in with west coast eagles another thing we actually did um was working in their offices which allowed us to meet even more people that work for west coast yeah it's not what you know it's who you know and that's what i live by it's it's getting to know these people and then also getting to know you, building that repertoire so that when you actually look to go get a job, these people can vouch for you. You can yes. use them as a reference. And these people are pretty high up in the industry or at least well, well renowned. Um, and if they if they've got your back and they're able to vouch for you, you've got a pretty good 
chance of getting whatever job you want. Um, and when we when we get to talking about my role with Optus, that's that's how I got the job. It was it was through them. It's through someone vouching for me that um, was pretty highly regarded in the workplace that I was looking to get into. Yeah, well, let's go there because um, we'll talk about the role that you held there as the events coordinator. Um, how did that come about? What sort of prompted you to apply when you, I presume, either saw the ad or were, were wised up to it? Um, yeah, let's uh, talk about how you got to that position. Well, I finished uni in June, July of 2021, and I wanted to jump straight into working. Um, so I, I put my name in the hat for quite a few jobs. I applied for um, that one at Optus at, at about April of 2021, knowing that I'd be finishing uni soon. Um, ended up getting a job with Football West uh, for about six weeks. And that's when Optus decided that they'd let me know that they wanted me to come in for an interview. Um, so I ended up ditching Football West and, and coming for that. <laughs> um, Football West were great though, shout out to them. Um, but I'm, I'm a footy man, I'm not a soccer man. So that's that's where I... I think by, by calling it soccer, you prove your point there as well. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, <laughs> no, with Optus, it's... Um, I saw it online, basically. I'd, I'd always kind of had an interest in working at Optus Stadium, knowing that I'd be working with the footy every week. I'd had the chance to work with cricket and whatever else came. Um, and I applied for this event coordinator role, knowing that um, I'd been checking this website and their careers page for months and nothing was really coming up. And suddenly it popped up and I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity, knowing I have this relationship with the West Coast Eagles because I can use that and um, then get into the interview stage and show off who I am as a person. Um, so that's how it came about. I found it online, basically, which isn't, isn't too exciting, but... Um, <laughs> never well, I wouldn't make a movie out of that part of the story. No, probably not. Um, Unless we got, got like, what's his name? Jesse Eisenberg to play it, because he seems like <laughs> he'd be a Jesse Eisenberg type. Um, yeah. <laughs> but going through that interview, obviously, you, you would have crushed the, the, I guess, the, those sorts of scenarios or questions in there. But then you touched on during your Eagles experience and you had really quality references. Yeah, so um, we worked with Sabrina Lewis and Amy Williamson for quite a long period at the Eagles. Yep. Um, and I used Amy as a reference, uh, being Amy was Sabrina's senior, um, but they both vouched for me. Amy, as an event manager at the West Coast Eagles, deals with Optus Stadium a lot. So I don't think she's there anymore, but... Um, Every single week, she'd be having meetings with Optus Stadium. So she has a very close, had a very close and strong relationship with Optus Stadium. Yep. So um, I'm pretty sure she got in touch with the head of the department in the end and, and vouched for me. And that's basically where it got me. It, it got me into the interview and that's that's all I needed. And the head figures in the events teams of Frio and West Coast are very, very highly regarded. Um, and the relationships that we have with them is extremely important at Optus Stadium. So... I couldn't have picked a better reference, really. Yeah, that's it. I mean, there's a cliche that it's who you know, but it's not just that. You still have to present yourself well and have the right answers and have the right experience. Oh, sure. But yeah. that is the, I guess, the the extra cherry on top is that people of high regard, as you say, because there's such a strong and frequent relationship there between the footy clubs and Optus. If you have that on your resume as well, that may not be the thing that gets you over the edge, but it's certainly going to, you know, give you a fair old uh, bump um, when it comes to that decision-making process. Because um, did we have much interface ourselves when we were doing the um, work experience with the events coordinator? I can't recall who it was specifically, but is that something that... Optus Stadium event yeah, coordinator? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, look, 
barely Probably. any. I, I do remember seeing some of them, but they would kind of just be hanging around and doing other stuff, but just making sure we were doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, we didn't have much to deal with them. So let's let's take a look at that events coordinator role because um, it's probably a, a role in many parts. But um, do you want to touch on, I guess, what your your week, uh, your nine to five sort of part of it? And you'll probably say to me, "There's no nine to five with it." But um, what does the nine to five of that events coordinator role that you held look like? You know, when you take out the actual events days, it's busy. That's that's the one word for it. There's a there's a lot going on. So. The events team are basically, as I said earlier, the, the feet on the ground, the people that are doing all the operational side of things. So um, within the events team, I'm, I'm part of the department that's called events and operations. Yep. Uh, so the operations team would be more, um, you know, physically moving stuff around and, and, and whatnot. But with the events team, it was all encompassing. You'd, you'd be working through the parking passes that would be handed out to everybody for each event. Um, you'd be creating briefing sheets for staff members so that they're all aware of what's what's happening. You'd be each week meeting with the hire which is the person or business that uh, has the stadium for the event. So yep. um, for me, I worked for the Frio side of things. We had half the team Frio, half the team West Coast. Um, so each week I'd be catching up with Frio and making sure we're delivering an event that is basically what they want for that week so you get your themed weeks you get your Len Hall tribute match during Anzac and um, they do a sustainability round and they do lots of different things to try and produce that that theme um, and it's our job to make sure we're delivering from our side so they can um, produce their vision I guess and it's it's a lot of different moving parts to then get to the day itself of delivering it. So do they come to you with a brief, uh, whether or not it is a themed round or whether or not it's just a, a regular round for want of a better term, um, in terms of what they're expecting, how they want it to be set up, or do you dictate that? How's that relationship work? Yeah, so it, it's basically up to them. They come to us and say, this is what we want to do. Um, can we do it? And we obviously have to give approval, but most of the time we will try and make it work. So at the start of the year, we'll have one big meeting where they lay out their plan for the whole year um, so that we don't really get any surprises. We'll know each themed round as they come. Um, and they'll tell us kind of an overview at the start of the big things that they want to do in each of those rounds. Um, but then each week, as we have a meeting with them and we're focusing on the game coming up, we might then touch on the week after that too. And that's that's kind of the time that timeline we get for it. We get about a month out of, of being able to prepare and plan for things. And it's not enough time and it's... it's um, it's good to have that relationship with them because you, I know I'm working with them, but they're, they're close mates too. It got to a point where we'd be able to have a catch up and we could go for a drink and they're just awesome people. And um, the planning side of it didn't really feel like planning in the end. It just felt like we were all working together to deliver one pretty cool event. Yep. And um, can you drill down on uh, like an example of something you would have to deal with with them in terms of like what it is that you know maybe a task that you would have to do there just so someone who's looking in that role go what am i signing myself up for yeah so one of the biggest ones that they do and i'll touch on frio again is the police round that they have and that's probably one of the uh more involved rounds that we have to be part of because they have a lot of what they call activations out in the stadium park yeah um whether that be jumping castles or, or whatnot that's what they do every week but for police round they have a lot of different police departments that set up out in the stadium park and 
um, basically educate people on what they do. Uh, but for us, from our perspective, we have to then map that out and they would come to us with the plan and we would have to help them set up so that not only is it going to work in terms of, um, you know, them showing up on time and the right people having the right accreditation, but also setting it up so that it's safe. You know, we're, we're having people set up in ways that aren't going to block crowds as they kind of try to come out. We're not going to have, um, you know, crowd crushes of people trying to trying to move. And that's that's one of the biggest things as well, working with a company that want to deliver their vision, but also we have to look at it from a perspective of looking after the venue because that's where we work. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's about balancing giving the hire what they want, but also doing it in a safe and in a manner that uh, is going to still produce an event that people are going to enjoy and not kind of look at and go, oh, why was that done kind of thing. It's, it's having that forethought. Yeah. So there's, there's obviously a lot of planning there, you know, not just from the safety uh, perspective there, but just logistically, does it work? Can it, can it happen? Um, but on the, I guess, the event day, what's, what's the role then start to look like? Is it just a lot of back and forth on walkie talkies, essentially? Yeah, for sure. We were, we have our radios. Um, my call sign was event five. So we'd be calling through to, to each other. And I was very nervous jumping on those radios because you've got all these important people listening in, but I got pretty good at it in the end. Yeah. Um, an event day, they're, they're long days. But that's what we sign up for in the events industry, which is, which is always great. But we'd have to show up four hours prior to gates open, yep. which um, what we then do is when we arrive, we do what we call venue checks. So we go around and uh, make sure the venue is safe to open. So each one of us in the team would have an assigned area. One of them, one of the worst ones was the seating bowl because we'd have to check each row and each seat to make sure that they were actually safe to sit on. Oh, you know, you wow. could have a broken seat that somebody could sit on and injure themselves on. And it's a matter of actually making sure, all right, we're good to open. There's nothing out of the ordinary. There's nothing that could hurt someone or make this event go pear-shaped. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, that seating bowl one, that was a shocker. It was good for Lisa. <laughs> um, would that uh, be, I guess, the most challenging part of the role? Is that, or um, oh, is no, there any sort of... Start. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, that's, that's what else does that, that? Yeah, what else does that look like then when you get to, closer towards, I guess, gates open or the event starting? Yeah, that, that's that's the first two hours. But from after that, it's a matter of doing the last minute things. You know, it might be... Um, getting some wristbands to a, to a gate so that people that need accreditation can come in. It's, it's the small stuff that kind of pop up that you wouldn't really be able to do prior because there aren't staff there to facilitate it. Yeah. Um, it yeah. might be positioning staff in certain areas or setting up, helping Frio or West Coast set up an activation so that they're ready to go when gates open. But it's, it's probably our busiest period prior to gates opening because once gates are opened, it's, it's pretty much done. Staff are in place. Everything's kind of going and moving along so you don't have to run around too much yep. um but in saying that if it's a busy event you'd still find yourself running around you get your your concerts where ed sheeran was the the most the biggest crowd we've ever had at optus stadium and so you're finding yourself running around and then trying to um fix issues as they pop up yep what what we'd have to do in any event once everything's set up is we're given a position to kind of roam in that area and if anything pops up where the eyes on the ground to then call up to what we call event control so event control at a stadium and every stadium has these is is one basically hub where yeah. key figures are there to make decisions 
Um, you get your cleaning staff up there, you got your customer service, your head of events, you got your police up there, security, and every staff member around the stadium then calls up to them if they've got anything that needs solving or or assistance with. Um, so for me, from my perspective, if I've got a certain area, I might be on level one somewhere. And if somebody was to, you know, be having medical issues or God knows, a heart attack or something like that, mm. he would be the ones that would have to get called to it, not to um, medically assist them because that's what St. John's are there for, but we're the ones that actually have eyes on and call up to event control so that they can make key decisions. So it's a pretty important job. If somebody is actually having a heart attack, we're the ones that, you know, are, are communicating that through to event control who in turn can then call a priority one ambulance. So the importance of our role um, is is not unfounded. It's, it's, it's insane. But um, whilst that seems pretty daunting, we're all there to assist each other and, um, if anything was to happen, we're all, we will have each other's backs. And most of the time, if it's something as serious as something medical related, there's a few of us there to, to assist. So um, look, it's, it's an important job and we have a lot of responsibility in looking after the stadium and as well as the, the people that come to the stadium too. But it was certainly a, a rewarding job at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I think when you go to as a event, as a spectator, I think, many people don't just understand the the scope of the production there and how many teams there are in place other than the two on the field, because there are just so many things going on, whether it is hospitality, whether it is the, the food and beverage vendors, whether or not it's, you know, the, uh, the special dance group that's coming in to perform at three quarter time or whatever it is. There's so many different like teams all converging and doing their own thing there. It's like the, the world's most difficult game of playing the Sims. So um, it is very, very difficult and there's a lot to coordinate. Um, fast forwarding a little bit then, when you do get towards to the uh, the close of an event, what's a, sort of the end of day and clock off time look like for you? Not Let's not go into details, but the clock off part of it though. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to the end of the event, it's a matter of making sure everybody is getting out as safely as possible. So um, for us, it's making sure all the doors that, need opening are open and most of the time they are but it's make, making sure we're in positions that, that where all the crowds are coming out in their biggest I guess where the most people are coming out in certain areas we're positioned in that area to make sure just we're overseeing it and there's no issues and um, if there was to be an issue that's where we call up to event control and we can send people down and help move people and it's it's all about the safety of it and it's, it's actually surprising how quickly people leave the venue, which is always great um, <laughs> but for us in, in having to be so, you know, watching it so closely, it, it, it goes pretty quickly in the end. And it's, it's a long day, the event days, but they always went super, super quick. Um, but look, yeah, once everybody's gone and out the venue, it's just a, it's a matter of closing up then. And one of the fun jobs is to do a complete lap around the whole stadium and close every single podium door with key. Um, <laughs> which is which is great on your on your um, quads because you're having to get down and and lock it, which is at feet level on each yeah. door. So that was fun. Um, but once it's all closed and you've checked everything, that's when you go into the office and you might have a quiet drink or a debrief of what's happened. And it's always some good stories that come out of each event. Yeah. Um, we'll touch on specific events in just a moment. Um, but can you think of a, um, first of all, a really challenging situation that, that came up that you had to manage or be part of to, um, sort of, I guess, resolve and 
you know, any tips to someone who might be listening in terms of how to act in that particular situation? Yeah, one of the biggest ones we find, it actually happens a lot during summer when it's really hot. Um, in our outlets, we have sprinklers, obviously, which uh, you need to have in every kitchen. If there's a fire, you need those to go off and put out the fire. But um, we've had a couple of those pop, which is great when there's been no fire, just because of the heat. Yeah, which of course. Is, uh, it's insane because as soon as a sprinkler goes off, it doesn't just stop. It just keeps going. Yeah. It's gross, dirty water and one example I have is from the BBL season of 2021 where a sprinkler went off, um, which then in turn sets off alarms and the fire brigade then show up. And even though there's no fire, that's just the procedure. They have to go through it. But they also have the only key that can stop the sprinkler. So oh, of course, yeah. Fire brigade to show up before you can shut off this sprinkler, which by the time they show up, if you were to walk in the outlet that the sprinkler's gone off in, the water's up to your knees. Oh, wow. I mean, it's yeah. got to be. It's got to be high-powered for something like that. But, wow, oh, it's, sure. it's crazy to think. Yeah, uh, but, but from there, it's a it's a management thing, making sure that, yes, this sprinkler's gone off. We can close the outlet. That's fine. But uh, there's water seeping out from under the door, so you're trying to push the water away and trying to not make it affect the event that's happening. If it's not a new story and if it's minimally affecting the people around you, then you've done a good job. Yeah, um, yeah, And that example I've given you from BBL, we ended up doing that. It was a pretty big one and we hadn't had one in a while, but um, it was all hands on deck. Everybody was there assisting and it's what the team at Optus is good at. We're all there, um, one team, one goal. We're all there to assist each other and, and help out where needed. And it's some of these things pop up and it's challenging, but at the same time, you know, it's a great story afterwards. We're all drenched and at the end of the <laughs> event, we're all um, enjoying the stories that came out of it and, it's, it's also good learnings too. We take from it and so that in future when it happens again, we know how to deal with it a little bit better. Yeah, 100%. And it's kind of like expect the unexpected as well because you would have had, I guess, loose plans in place for when something like that happens and sort of almost everyone goes into battle positions ready to go when that arises. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's happened before and it's, it's probably going to happen again. Um, but it's about making sure we're aware of what's happening so that in future we can always do better and it's it's what the stadium is actually really good at we have a lot of good debriefing processes and we um write down what went well what didn't and then act on it in future to better i guess um fix the problem but so they're, they're very good in that regard yep and can you think of a i guess a a highlight of a of a situation first and foremost rather than again a game or anything like that but can you think of a like a highlight or really positive situation from your time working in that role as the events coordinator one of the biggest highlights and one of the things i was most proud of in my time working as an event coordinator was delivering the cricket world cup last year yep now the cricket world cup is it's it's on the level of olympics it's next level it's i'm so used to working through the afl and working the teams there but with cricket it's completely like five steps above that the security of it is insane um with afl i'm in and out of the change rooms trying to chat through with frio what needs doing and the away teams but with the cricket we were not allowed in there at all if you brought your phone in there suddenly you um it's a it that's that's another issue in itself and there's all these rules and regulations and it's a it makes it not difficult, but it's it always makes it a little bit more challenging because you've not got as good access. And um, but the the work that went into that and making sure that we were delivering from a security standpoint and from a, a scope standpoint too, they wanted some big grand event. 
we were talking to them six months in advance the cricket world cup it was it was insane but when we actually got to there and we put all the hard yards in and we knew we did all the good work we got to the event itself we'd done the work it was great and i ended up watching every single world cup match from the afl interchange looking directly down the line of the pitch it was awesome oh wow one of the biggest highlights was watching Zimbabwe beat Pakistan by like one run on the final yeah. ball. That was which, a cracking game, yeah. Oh, it was awesome. And we had a, a bunch of Zimbabwe fans that stuck around at the end and they were chanting and singing and it was just an awesome, awesome atmosphere. And we were up in our feet um, towards the end, which we got told off for because, again, we're pretty much <laughs> yeah, sitting course, in front of the yeah. side screens. <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, yeah, look, it was very rewarding. Yeah, you should have gone and spoken to Craig Irvine, who's a Zimbabwean player who uh, we had to face at our level of community cricket about eight to ten years ago. So, right. and you, you, you know, but for people listening, uh, Warwick Greenwood and and the NSCCA Cricket Association is just your community cricket astroturf uh, wickets. And uh, we had this uh, Zimbabwean Test player come on and just start peeling runs against us. We're like, well. Uh, what do you do? <laughs> He's just hoping he gets bored with like toying with us there. But um, the one thing as well with the, I guess the world cup um, that strikes me, even now, as it starts to get away in India for the, the 50 over version, um, the AFL and, and other sports would have really, I guess, strong guidelines and partnerships that they'd have to adhere to. But it seems as though the ICC and the, and the cricket world cups sort of really even more stricter in terms of whether it's commercial partners and commercial activations. Do you find that, that that's an accurate statement there, looking at the, you know, maybe AFL versus ICC or, or whatever it might be? Yeah, no, you're 100% correct. You look at your test matches that, that come to the stadium and one thing that we need to do, which is a pretty big job, is make it clean venue. Yeah. When we say clean venue, it's removing all um, Optus-related signage or oh, yeah. any reference towards Optus because I think it's a Vodafone that's sponsored tests in the past. Yeah, yeah. Vodafone oh. has sponsored tests and the and the test team a, a little way ago. I think it was around the Ryan Harris times from memory. Yeah. Just trying yeah, to picture but, uniforms in my head. Yeah, for sure. But you, you look at the ICC and this it never gets to that level with the AFL. They're a bit more chill. But um, look, it is what it is. It's, it's an international sport, so they kind of have to. It's a lot of money involved. But if you ever see test cricket at Optus and you're driving past the stadium, look up at the sign or the lack thereof on the side of the building because we have to get that removed or covered. Oh. Wait, what? Yeah, Is yeah. Legit? Stadium. Yeah, so we, we don't actually, I think we don't get it removed. We put up a big um, sign that kind of blurs in with the colour of the stadium so it looks like there's nothing there. I've never noticed that. And I've, yeah. I've been to that ground way too many times for my liking. That That's legit. And it's just with, with cricket that you've got to cover it up that it doesn't say Optus. Pretty much. Or any other event where there might be some clash, but it's normally cricket. That's a big one. Wow. So it's a pain. It's a painful job trying to cover everything up. <laughs> Not something I've had to be too involved in, thank God, but the commercial guys can certainly attest to a, the, the difficulty of it. But they do a great job and they get there in the end and it's um, it's, it's funny. We put all the effort into doing it and the ICC still managed to find one or two little office references <laughs> and pick us out on it, which is very, very nice of them. But, um, yeah, look, the, even the Optus Stadium signage on the inside, there's big Optus words um, under yeah. the roof. They have to cover those too. Oh, wow. That's a big job. Yeah. I mean, again, it's those little things you don't even think about there, but wow. That's I now each time now I drive past that stadium, like on a cricket event day, I'm going to have to have a look and just check that. And if it's not, well, it's not your job now, but I'll make sure that person who's in your job gets in trouble for it. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you. 
I'll, I'll comb my hair over and do my best Karen. Um, anyway, <laughs> apologies to Karens. I've never met a bad one. Anyway, I think that should um, I think that should absolve me legally. Um, let's let's uh, bring it out a little bit now to I guess um, the experience point of view because uh, as you've you know detailed really well so far in our chat today, there's there's a lot of work that goes into those events. But you know, without putting words into your mouth, part of the reason that you want to do the job is because you get to be part of these awesome sporting and event managed uh, like these awesome experiences. So can you think of so like probably the the best or the the you know if you can't narrow it down to one just the highlights of great sporting events or great events that you've been able to experience in your role there at optus well the best event that i've been part of was the afl grand final so it's a bit of a baptism of fire because it was within my first month that actually i think it was my third day that it got announced that it was going to be at optus stadium in 2021 which was pretty cool um but just to be involved in that was spectacular and i remember they, they gave me parking. They let me look after parking for the event, which was I thought was a, was a, such a big job. But then I since realised that it was a very small part. But <laughs> um, it, a lot of work went into it and you could tell everybody was buzzing and all putting in long hours to, to deliver what is really Australia's showpiece sporting event. Um, and it got to the day itself. And I've already spoken about my passion for the AFL, so I was loving it. But I remember watching at halftime um, I, I took it took a moment where I stood up on level five in, and amongst the crowd and watched the entertainment and just thought, wow, this is this is a moment. This is something I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And that's that's me with the AFL Grand Final. But a lot of different events, a lot of people that work there can say the same thing. You know, you've got your Ed Sheerans that somebody might be, you know, big big fan of, and they remember that for the rest of their lives. And it's what makes me love the role so much because you're being involved in someone creating a memory and really getting to love and experience something pretty big, you know, and it's, it's what's so rewarding in the role and being involved in the enjoyment of quite a lot of people. Yeah. And um, I got to ask you something about that halftime show. So in an alternate universe where the 2021 grand final was actually played in Perth, because I don't recall one happening in my lifetime. Um, but in that alternate universe, how was the halftime show? Because I'll tell you why. Um, I was sitting there next to my mate who was a Geelong fan and decided to proverbially hold my hand during that game. And so didn't leave the seat once during the halftime show because it was a pretty tense game up until um, the dogs forgot to keep playing. Um, and uh, my mate Wally, he turns to me and says, what did you think of the show? And I'm like, "What? there was a show on? I was staring at the ground the entire time. Like I hadn't, I wasn't inebriated at that stage. And I was just like, there was a halftime show. What, what just happened? Obviously different. <laughs> because as we know, like with the grand final, um, uh, there can be a lot of corporates, especially that year in 2021, where it was, you know, the COVID affected one where West Australia were, were very fortunate enough to get that grand final. There was probably a lot of neutrals there. And without question, I would say that the neutral leaning ones were probably leaning Melbourne's way. Is that sort of the vibe you, you got there? Yeah, no, that's the vibe I got, certainly. And um, it probably showed in the... Did you end up going to their open training? The... <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was too stressed. I was not going... Nah. Uh, um, plus, the other problem is, anytime I go to an open training around grand final time, because I've got these stupid tattoos on, I say they're, not, they're stupid. I, I love my tattoo artists, uh, underscore Dodrill in, in Melbourne at Frankston Tattoo, but... Well, because of these stupid Bulldogs tattoos, as soon as I go there, I've got the news to go, oh, look at this Nuffy. You're like, let's go talk to him. I'm like, 
Yeah, I do love a camera. But um, sorry, no, I didn't get to the open training, but I presume the Melbourne one was just absolutely bonkers. Oh, yeah, it was insane. It was definitely a bigger crowd for Melbourne. And you could tell even in the lead-up for finals because Melbourne played Geelong in a prelim um, the week before, and it was just it just felt like a Melbourne crowd. It didn't yeah. seem like there were any Geelong fans there at all. And I think it to be playing away, essentially, and in WA to have a feeling of the home crowd, it makes such a difference. And you look at that last quarter where it was anyone's game, really. And I remember, I actually remember messaging you towards the end of the third quarter and the dogs are up by 20 points. And I thought, I reckon, I said to you, I reckon they got this. Yeah, thanks for that. that You jinxed it. They just didn't play. (laughs) No, well, that was when Bont kicked the goal and they were like, oh, Bont, Norm Smith, then second flag. Anyway, we're trying to have a nice time here. But but no, that was, it was a huge spectacular. And I think just um, the last part on that, that Melbourne fandom is, um, we, we mentioned at the beginning of our conversation about what we love about sport. And that was not necessarily the underdog story for the season because they were a very dominant side, um, but they hadn't won for so long. And I think it was the goodwill that the dogs had in 2016, that team that hasn't won one for a while, that's, they, they do get that neutral support. And it was just that weird bubble of it being in a bubble that everyone was just like, okay, let's put all our positive energies towards Melbourne here because I think the same thing would have been happened if it, if it was Bulldogs St Kilda, another team that hasn't won in a while or, you know, something like that. You know, a Bulldogs Freo probably would have had a bit more home support, but you get those teams that haven't won one in a while or haven't won one, you're going to always have the neutral support. But for you, the highlight, best experience so far is the grand final. Uh, any others that stand out in terms of a, a really cool experience to be a part of? I think just being downstairs with the AFL teams, it's been pretty awesome. Um, Me working with the Freo side of things, I only got to work with the teams that played Freo. Um, But actually what I didn't touch on in working on event days is one of the key roles is having a level G representative and level G ground floor representative is the person that works with the um, away club and and the home club and make sure that they have everything they need. And, that was just, I love that role. It was so cool, you know, getting to know all these different teams and what they do and how they how they tick and um, just feeling involved with the team as well. Like you, you watch it on TV and you get amongst the, the passion of it, watching it, but to actually be near the teams, seeing them behind closed doors, it's, it's pretty special. And you yep. see the passion come out and um, not a side of them that you see very often. You see who they are as people and you see how the admin team work, how the players are behind the scenes. It's just, it's pretty special. And as I said earlier, I wanted to always work in the AFL industry and it it really made me feel like I was doing that. And it was was awesome. It was great. And that's probably the one thing I miss from from the role that I was in. Um, Is there any teams that really stand out for you in a positive way? Or, you know, I know you're terrible at the name, so I'm not going to put you on the spot with that. But are are there any real positive teams that you want to give a wrap too, whether it's a professionalism, communication, or just you know, good blokes and blokeettes. Well, I've, I've never been a fan of Collingwood, but it really stood out to me how professional Collingwood were. Every time they came, um, I dealt with one of their uh, staff members who ended up being the chick that was on the side of the boundary at the grand final, holding up the two-minute sign, which was pretty cool. But <laughs> oh, was I there. know them. Yeah, that's I know that person. We're friends. Um, I remember pulling up an email from her and showing the people I was with, saying, "That's her. That's her." Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, they they they're a very professional unit, and they they're very they're very serious, but in a good way. They, 
ask for everything well in advance that they needed and I was always happy to deliver for them and um, it just it just struck me how a well-drilled oil machine they were um, and that was the case last year and this year but it's a testament to where they've they've ended up obviously premiers now yeah but, um, shout out to the crows as well I think they're awesome they're a great team to deal with um, which I'm a little bit biased but I've, I've got from good authority of pe other people that have worked with them they all say that the crows are one of the best teams as well did you uh, um, let slip your crow fandom during discussions big time big time all the time I would say that to them to try and score a free guernsey or something <laughs> <laughs> no no I, I actually didn't get to work with them unfortunately but um, they didn't have any Frio games in Perth over the last two years, which I was gutted ah, about. I'd always yeah. check the fixture and see if they were coming. But um, every time they'd be playing West Coast, I'd sneak my way down there and hang out with whoever else was looking after them so that I could say hello. Um, yeah. But it's funny, I, do you remember the uh, the non-goal in round 22 for Ben Keys? Yes, yeah. Yes, uh, they came the very next week and I went down to saw them when they arrived and I said, guys, I just want to apologise for what happened last week. I'm a diehard fan of your club and I'm really sorry. I will cry with you if you need me to. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, you know, the funny thing was we were speaking about this with um, Pia and Dilla the other week um, who are coaches at the uh, Eagles AFLW program. And it's just funny how professional now the environment is in, in all levels of, of the AFL. Just like everyone kind of just goes, yeah, cool. We know that. You're not, you might not be working for the team that you support, but like everyone just sort of gets around each other. And I just, I found that interesting because I think, I reckon, you know, without, you know, knowing any better from maybe 20 years ago, I think it would have been a little bit more tribal before it's got to this really professional, I guess, era. But um, yeah, the clubs are really good about that. And generally they'll look after you as well. If you say, Hey, you know, I kind of lean the Crows way or kind of lean the, the Bulldogs way or whatever it might be. Um were there any other uh, highlights just before we wrap up our time on on your role as the events coordinator um, at Optus? Oh, well, it's not as such a highlight, but I, I do want to give a shout out to the team that, that I work with in the events and side of things. They are a very, very professional unit and a lot of the stuff they do behind the scenes, people obviously don't see, but what they do and how they do it to deliver the events that that come up at Optus Stadium, it's it's insane. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? Um, a lot of the people there have, you know, there's always people that leave roles and they always say after they've left Optus that, um, you know, the things that they've learnt there going on to other jobs and bigger, better things is it's been, it's been huge. And it's, you know, they go into other roles and these people go, wow, you're, you're really knowledgeable. You're really good at running an event. And it's, it's basically just how we do it at Optus. We um, really put the hard yards in to make sure it's, it's perfect. And, I think it, I like to think that Optus events are run better than any other ones in WA or even in Australia, but um, I'm maybe a little bit biased, but it, I think it's just a, it speaks to the professionalism and the the knowledge that the people there have. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know that it is a running joke um, in my real life and in the show, and it will continue to be one, but you know, professionally, Optus Stadium have always been wonderful, um, you know, both as a spectator and as someone who, who has worked and done work experience there. There's no doubt. And, um, you know, obviously with your big raps there as well, it's, it's easy to see. It's a quality team there that do the work. Um, now, as we get to that home stretch, as I was talking about, I think you, you, we've already touched on this a little bit because you gazumped me by 
telling me that you'd already been promoted. But uh, what's um? So what what's this new role look like? Is um that sort of where you thought you were going to be headed? And sort of what's the goals there professionally in the new the sales role? Yeah, this commercial sales role, it's not something I, I thought I'd be doing, but the the last person in the role ended up leaving and I thought, you know what, I might, I might give this a crack just to try something different. Um, I feel like I, having the knowledge that I got from the events team was, was really helpful in me getting this role, but being able to be on the other side of things now commercially and actually speak to people and try and sell this venue that I know so well, I felt that it was actually quite a good balance for me in stepping into the role and um that's how I kind of presented myself in the interview and I, I feel maybe that's why they they took me on but uh look it's it's pretty special you get a, some good insights into what's coming up and um we all know that WWE is coming up soon in February and that's uh something I've I've known for a couple months now which is a little bit hard to to keep that secret but how many uh, um, how many tickets have you been asked for because I you know in a former life I used to be a commentator here at epw perth and i've had people hit me up for tickets i'm like it's not even the same thing like <laughs> and i'm not involved anymore so have you had a few of your mates sort of and don't lie i haven't because you know i i, I know better than that but have you had people <laughs> hitting you up for tickets for that or anything else so far surprisingly no yeah and we fully expect it to sell out which will be great and it's it's an awesome feeling knowing that people want to buy yeah um, of course because a lot of the time they it sells itself people come to you and they say we want to buy yeah, we, yeah, we don't have sure. to reach out to people. It's great. Um, but no, there's, there's always harder sales than others. And some, some events are easier than, than, than others, but it's still, um, WWE is a great example because we've never had anything like that at the stadium before, but yeah. the type of people that email through and get in contact with us, they, they're so passionate about being involved and getting these tickets. And it's, it's, it rubs off on me really. It's I'm now really excited for something that I've never really seen before. Yeah. You know, yeah, all these people. I speak, speak to people on the phone, and they say to me, "You know, I've, I've been to one in Sydney or, or Melbourne before, and it was just an awesome experience. And have you been before? And what are you expecting from it? And just learning from people that have been there before. It's, it's, it's I just talk about the events team and the passion that came with working with sports team, sports teams. It, it kind of has transferred into this job in that people are still passionate. It's just from a different vantage point." Oh, without question. And wrestling is probably one of the biggest tribalism things out there. If you, I, I must say, and this is universal advice, but never read the comments of a wrestling promotion. Um, but um, look, you know, as you say, you're maybe never been someone has, um, I guess, enamored as a fan, but it, it is actually a really special um, experience and event that that's going to be. It's the, um, the first premium live event for WWE um, that's been really part of their canon. Um, they had the Super Showdown at MCG a few years back, but it was sort of like, um, they call them, um, they don't call them that anymore, but they used to call them house shows. So it's like something that didn't really matter to the main stories and the, and the, I guess the main timeline to use the superheroes reference. But this is something that's going to be really huge for, for your stadium in terms of the fact that it's a last stop before the premiere event of the EFM, which is their WrestleMania. And I know that uh, any wrestling fan that's listening along, you've got your... Um, yeah you've got your role ahead of you because the international audience are always seen as the most energetic, excitable and memorable crowd. So that's definitely going to be something that's going to be awesome for you to be a part of, man. And I'm very jealous. I'm not often too jealous of, of you because I don't really care for Optus Stadium at times, but that's <laughs> jealous of. Um, any other events coming up that you're really exciting about, excited about, um, you know, especially transitioning into your new role? 
I'll play. You can talk definitely. about. I should say. I should put that. You know. The, yeah. Look, I, that's I, not I redacted. can't talk about some things coming up, but um, yeah. I'll play is pretty exciting. When it when that got announced, knowing that I'd be in some capacity involved in it, and at that time I was still an events coordinator, but um, being in the commercial side of things, I can be a bit more. I guess I can spend a little bit more time enjoying it, which is um, yeah. always great. But I'll play is my my kind of music, and just seeing the passion of the people, you know, um, selling out the joint. As, as soon as it was announced, it was pretty cool. But then to, to know, I don't have to buy a ticket. I'll be there anyway. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty nice feeling. <laughs> it's really exciting. I've got to say, a quick sidetrack to the fact that, um, and not to get into politics, because I don't care which side anyone leans, but the fact that the the local government is actually working strongly with the stadium to bring these awesome things through tourism, Western Australia, through the uh, state government, and then having that that world-class venue there to bring things like Coldplay, like WWE. I'm not sure if they've actually had an active hand in other stuff yet, but it's exciting to have, I guess, the the, the government by your side looking to create bigger and better experiences for the stadium. Yeah, and we, we work closely alongside them. I've um, sent a few emails to the state before trying to send I'd send out event management plans and that which explains what's happening for events. So, But it shows how much we actually have to speak to them and they have to speak to us. So we work closely with them um, to produce what we do and we're always very thankful of the, the hard work that they put in and we're able to do with them. Cool. All right. As we start to put a bow on the, I guess, the work side of it, um, if you've got someone here who's maybe in uni at the moment, maybe year 11 or 12 or maybe someone maybe looking for a bit of a career change because they're passionate about events or passionate about sports. What sort of advice would you give to someone who is uh, looking to get into events work, whether it's, you know, how to present yourself and get involved or what you need to be or do as a person to really be successful? Because without question with your promotions and, and how you're working, you are successful and there's still a lot of chapters to be written. So what advice would you give to, to someone who's starting to look at that field? Volunteering, that's the word I can give you. And um, I know we've already spoken about the Eagles, but taking the opportunities there and the events industry is is awesome for volunteering because there's events everywhere and people are always looking out for volunteers, but that is an awesome way to get your experience. It's how you set yourself apart from, from your peers because everybody's doing the same course. You might be all doing well, getting different marks, but at the end of the day, and I said this before, it's who you're networking with and them being able to vouch for you and the experience that you've gotten from their volunteering um, roles. That's how you set yourself apart. So it's a matter of any opportunity that comes up, just take it, give it a go. You might not like it. That's fine. There might be another one further down the track, but say yes to things, volunteer, network, get to know people in the industry through that. And that's how you set yourself apart and get the good jobs. Couldn't have said it any better myself. And uh, I really appreciate your time today, Bailey. Thank you so much. I know that people will get a lot out of that, especially, you know, um, not all of us are as athletically gifted as you are. So we want to be involved in sports and events in different ways. So um, I think there's been a lot that we can get out of that, not just the the highlights and the, you know, the fun stuff, but some real tangible stuff that people can take into whether it's their study at the moment or getting involved in the events field. Um, so I really do thank you for your time on that one. But before we do leave you today, I'm going to ask you something that's been bugging me ever since the stadium has been built. And I, I just, I need to know why, because it seems like it's personal. Why does Optus Stadium hate me? Why do they hate you? Yes, me personally. Oh. Every time I deal with that stadium, it, it's nothing but pain. Grand finals, uh, elimination finals. 
Um, Scorchers winning all you. the time. <laughs> hate you because they ain't you, mate. Um, oh, look, <laughs> I, I've got no idea. I, I probably need to go in and have a word with them and let them know who you really are as a person because they obviously don't like you very much today. Oh, well, no, don't do that then because they definitely <laughs> won't. <laughs> Don't do that. All right, we'll just leave it be, and hopefully it self-corrects itself. No, no, I, I told them I'd be having a have a, had a podcast this weekend with, with my mate Eric, and they're like, "Oh God, Eric, we hate that guy." <laughs> they're already they're already circling in round six. Oh, how are the Bulldogs going to lose again? Anyway, um, and when they do win, it mean, you're going to be locked out, so you can't see Bont's left foot snap goal. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Thanks again, man. Any last words you wanted to share? I know you gave some really good advice there, but uh, um, how, how best to follow along with Optus Stadium events or, um, you know, any last words today? Oh, well, there's a, always our website where you can sign up and um, get all the information that of events that are coming up and you can even sign up to, to get that information first and foremost. Um, but look, even find me on social media, reach out to me. I'm always more than happy to, uh, you know, give you all the inside word on if you're needing to buy anything or even just come to the stadium and enjoy it. Um, not too much more I can really say about the stadium. Uh, I do actually want to give a shout out to the Crows women's team who won last night. Oh, gosh. Crom is massive. Yeah, oh, my Crows. You're not yeah, supposed to, number one, you're not supposed to date the podcast, which again, I already did. And number two, you're not supposed to just outright, outright barrack for your side on a podcast, which I've also done. So I can't really rake you over the calls for either. But um. nah, I said to myself, I would end this on a crow's note because I am diehard. So that's that's my last note I wanted to give to everybody. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I was going to end it on saying, but based on what you just said, if they reach out to you, you might be someone's Amy because you're starting to get up the ranks there and you can sort of vouch for someone who is willing to put in the work. But um, thank you so much for your time today, Bailey. I'll leave you there and uh, really appreciate it. Good luck with the awesome events that are coming up. Uh, as, a, as you say, you know, you've probably got, and I'm not going to diminish you, but one of the easiest jobs because some of these events are just going to sell themselves. But no, good luck with the, the new role and uh, hope everything continues to go well there at Optus and uh, beyond there for your career, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. It's been good catching up and uh, talking about up to stadium, the place I love, my second home. <laughs> well, that was just a fascinating chat, as I mentioned there before we got into it there, about, I guess, all the bits and bobs and the cool experiences you can have in being involved in, I guess, the logistical, the admin, the, you know, everything to put together that sporting event, or even just, a, I guess, an entertainment event as well, through the eyes of Bailey there in Optus Stadium, and, uh, after that chat, I can proudly say now, knowing it, even a bit more about the inner workings of Optus Stadium and, and Bailey, that uh, I hate Optus Stadium and it hates me. But um, in all seriousness, um, I can't thank Bailey enough for coming on and having a chat about that Optus Stadium, world-class um, venue, and to hear that sort of uh, boots-on-the-ground sort of uh, experience, absolutely wonderful. So... Um, yeah, if you want to just keep on track with what Bailey's been doing, um, he'll be tagged in all the socials for the um, release there and also um, follow Optus Stadium for all the latest events. Uh, as we spoke about here in Perth, they've got some doozies coming up. Yes, doozies. That's where I'm going with that. Um, obviously, uh, my eyes are looking towards the big WWE event there with my uh, my WrestleVision, so to speak. Uh, WrestleVision. Uh kind of sounds like a WWE event, so I have no doubt that will be an AEW pay-per-view event named soon enough. But um, yeah, there's some really great things happening there. Obviously, you've got um, the Summer of Cricket coming up as well, um, and that obviously means that there's going to be some uh, crossover there with the Scorchers. Uh, I'm not sure uh, 
how much of it will get into there um, come finals time, but given it's a score, just pretty much every final is played there. So, um, yeah, really exciting times. But before we put a bow on this week's episode, it's time for my lovely listening viewership, which technically doesn't make sense unless you're staring at Spotify the entire hour and a half. But to my listening viewership, it's time to help me to help me help me to help you barbie help me to help you help me to help you help me to help you well welcome back to johnny c uh even though that's technically i guess i shouldn't really acknowledge it because then now i'm really getting to those dangerous legal areas by using that clip and then referencing who it is again but Thank you very much. It's time to help me to help me again. And uh, it was very tempting, of course, to use this platform of mine. And gosh, I sound like a wanky influencer saying that because I'm not an influencer. Definitely wanky. But it was very tempting to use my platform to say, uh, help me to help me. (laughs) My body is a wreck. Suburban cricket's back. Yes, community cricket. Love it. Up until that time on Monday when I am as stiff as a board and can't move anywhere. So, uh, help me to help me if you're a physio and, and um, able to put these old man joints back into place or at least not have me walking around like I'm doing the monster mash or something like that. Yeah, please hit a brother up. But that's not what we're going to talk about with the help me to help me because then I'd have to talk about how I caught a ball with my face and that's a whole other kettle of fish. But what I want to talk about here is um, it's been a little bit of conversation and uh debate and scuttlebutt and hullabaloo about uh, premiership medals, especially as we've had the uh, AFL and NRL premierships decided in the last fortnight there. And uh, the coach of the uh, Collingwood Football Club, Craig McRae, he uh, famously came onto the AFL 360 uh, program and was talking about how he didn't want to wear his medal um, because he felt that the medal wasn't really indicative of, um, I just turned New Zealand. I think I've been watching that Taika Waititi uh, um, ad so uh, too much. But anyway, um, but he just thought it wasn't indicative of like all of the work that goes into, I guess, the coaching setup now. It wasn't just he as the senior coach who deserved that medal. It was, you know, a collaborative effort, which, I mean, you can, you know, uh, appreciate, I was going to say the moxie, but you can appreciate the, the spirit of that because, you know, with AFL specifically, there's definitely a lot more uh, hands uh, that get involved now in terms of that. Uh, you know, we spoke with um, Pia Filetti and Andrew DiLoretto a couple of weeks ago talking about just how they work as line coaches and heads of development and, and what their weeks look like to get the best out of their team and, and just how much work goes into that. So um, you could see where he was coming from. Um, and then you think about, like, uh, someone like Taylor Adams, who, as of this recording now, has just been traded to the Sydney Football Club. And do you think that guy, vice-captain, big part of the uh, the squad and, and has got that uh, Collingwood team to where it is in terms of a premiership side, he was a huge part of it. And unfortunately, with his hamstring injury um, on the eve of the finals, and what a bold time at the eve of finals to do that, um, he misses out on a premiership medal. He can't be called a premiership player, even though... He is undoubtedly instrumentally part of that. And uh, and uh, we needn't go back to my favourite year in the AFL um, sporting calendar and uh, talk about Luke Beveridge going, oh, Bob Murphy, get up here, and uh, um, then I might start weeping again on this podcast, which is probably not very pretty. Um, so it's a, it's a valid question to get asked. And uh, you, you look at it from, I guess, other I guess sporting codes. I mean... 
AFL's always been big on it's like it's the players on the days. They're the ones who win the medal. So uh, you look at the NBA and it's pretty much whoever the uh, executives decide should get one, whether or not you played one game, whether or not you came in for part of the season, whether or not you were there the entire season, whether or not you got traded away late and they go, well, that was spiteful, you're not getting a ring. Well, uh, um, you look at the NFL and again, it's one of those things, you know, you got the, what is it, 53 players on the squad, I think. Uh, I'm not good at NFL. That's an episode for a, uh, a future release, I think, where someone can uh, coach me up on NFL. Um, you can tell I don't know much about NFL because I'm a Tom Brady and I'm a, a New England Patriots fan. So it's like, yeah, NFL's great. We win all the time. Well, those were bygone eras. Anyway, back on track. Um, so yeah, NFL, it's pretty much anyone and everyone gets one, really. If the execs think you're a rad person, then you get one. So um, it's it's weird because I'm kind of a, a traditionalist and I don't know if it's, I guess, the traditional view, but I think it's, Something special about a grand final day. And whilst it absolutely sucks that, you know, not everyone in your squad can play on that day, I think there's something to be said about the quote-unquote prestige of being a premiership player. Um, You know, you get those uh, raised eyebrows about the person who might not have got a touch or, you know, may not have had their best performance. And yay, in this era of social media, everyone's going to troll that person because they don't have anything to do better with their lives. But, you know, if you looked at it with an objective view, you go, well, okay, well, maybe that person wasn't that great on the day, but still a premiership player. But I think that, I think that that's what it should be. I think you should get a medal for performing on the biggest day or the biggest event. Um, Obviously, in other sporting codes, you've got that instance where it's like a best of seven or best of whatever. You've got um, EPL, uh, and a lot of um, football um, leagues from around the world is whoever finishes top of the table at the end of the year. That's it. They're the champions. That's never been one that I've loved, but I think that's a very Australian point of view of mine that I like the spectacle of the grand final. I don't even like a grand final series, if I'm brutally honest, but that's, uh, you know, some of those sports, that's just not going to change. So, yeah, running it back, I think personally it's a premiership player and that's the person who should get the medal. Because even at, the, I guess, the local levels, if we go back to that suburban uh, cricket and uh, that community-level cricket that I play, I mean, last year we were very fortunate to win a flag and uh, the way that the competition is set up is that you have two grand finals, essentially. Um, and uh, we didn't go into this with Grant Man's only the other week because I wasn't going to bore him with registry questions. But you have your one-day grand final and then your overall end-of-year grand final, which is your, your longer-format game. And uh, for us last year, there was a couple of players who sort of changed from that one-day side to that two-day main grand final. So not everyone got a medal. Some people got one, some people got two. And unfortunately, some people that played throughout that that 15-game um, season uh, who were big parts of it don't get one. And, uh, you know, it'd be easy for me to say, oh, yeah, well, then there could be a trigger to say, oh, yeah, that person played 10 games. Um, or that person played one game. Or that person filled in because I matched with them on Tinder because my indoor cricket team needed an extra player. They matched and said, hey, I love cricket. And I was like, I love cricket too. So they played a couple of indoor cricket games and then we were really short. And then they decided to play a game of outdoor cricket with us and they played and it was a two-week game. And then on the second week, they just left their shirt and their hat behind and uh, blocked me on Tinder and uh, Facebook Messenger because I didn't give them a second spell because I'm an awful captain. That person wouldn't get a premiership medal. But um, I just think... In all seriousness, to straighten up, I think it's a premiership player. I think it's a one premiership medal. You've got to perform on the day. There's going to be hard luck stories, especially my man Bob Murphy, but there's always going to be hard luck stories in sport. 
That's where I see it. How do you see it? This has probably the longest helped me to help me. And this is not just because I went through my checkered relationship and romantic history. That's a podcast that's never seen the light of day. But what do you think? Do you think it should be a premiership medal, premiership player for the people or persons who um, do the job on the day? How far does that extend to the coaching panel? Should that be the, the assistant coaches, the line coaches? Or should there be, I guess, an overall organizational discretion? Can they determine who are championship players and who deserves the championship ring, medal, whatever it is that you get, uh, stubby holder, if you're in an indoor cricket center, who knows? So um, hit me up, let us know, um, either comments below or DMs or messages. What do you think it should be? I'll even put a poll up there on the Instagrams, uh, just the one, just singular. And uh, let's see what you, my smart listening viewership, think. Help me to help me. So that's the end of another episode. Thanks a lot for coming along on this journey with us once more. It's been a wonderful chat with Bailey, and uh, I think there's a little bit of stuff to ponder there. But uh, again, don't know where that voice went. So um, if you are digging what we're putting down, and uh, I don't know what that was, but if you are liking it, please um, do us a favor. Um, share it on your socials to say, hey, listen to this idiot uh, speak to non-idiots and it's actually kind of a good mixture. It's like Neapolitan ice cream. You're not going to eat strawberry ice cream by itself, but mix it all together with the chocolate and vanilla? Possibly. So me, the idiot, the non-idiot guest, mix it all together and have yourself a delicious Neapolitan podcast. I think that's a tagline. But yes, please share it around. Um, if you're not liking it, let me know. Maybe don't put that one publicly. We don't want it to look like a Facebook community page. But um, yeah, just let us know. And um, if you think that, we've earned it and uh, you are really enjoying it, um, please subscribe along on the podcast channels. Um, give us a review. All helps with the boffins and the um, the algorithms and all that sort of stuff. So anything is greatly appreciated. And of course, if you're like me and kind of lazy, um, you don't have to do any of that. I'm just happy you're here listening and happy that you're enjoying it. Or you're, you know, grittily, like gritting your teeth and uh, hate listening it. Right? It's an extra number. I'll take it. So in all seriousness, if you're listening along, I really appreciate it. Appreciate it? I don't know what happened there. I just lost the ability to speak English. Perfect for a podcast. Um, but I really do appreciate it. So thank you very much. And uh, next week, we have another great guest. And it sounds like I'm Tony Khan on AEW. He's like, this week, we have another great guest on. Hey, pal, I'm Coach Bull. Um, but no, we really do. Um been a person I've been trying to uh, get on um, and organize the right time um, since starting the podcast and they're going to school me up and, and help us sharpen my mind up a little bit to um, an area that I've really started to love over the last couple of years again and try and just hone in those tools in the WNBL space. So really looking forward to that. Stay tuned. We'll be back. Same podcast channel, same time-ish. It's Hey Pal, I'm Coachable.